Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I'm joined by our very special guest, Luke J. Minkies. And I am so excited to have Luke on the show today because we're going to be talking about everything you need to know when buying your first home, whether it's a house, an apartment, or anything in between. Uh, I have to tell you, Luke is a real estate agent in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada. So this is like a kindred spirit from when I was younger and spent so many summers in Kelowna on vacation. Um, You know, never saw saw the Ogopogo, but that's another story. Um, I have to tell you, Luke has over 30 years of experience in all aspects of real estate. He hosts a wonderful interview style talk show called New Town Big Dreams. And this is where he gets to talk to fabulous and fascinating people who make up his great city, and in particular, those who've moved there to start a new life. And Luke and his guests have in-depth, intimate conversations, um, and those include with entrepreneurs, executives, thought leaders, uh, creatives, and anyone who has an interesting story to tell about how they're contributing to their wonderful new home. So Luke, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Thank you, Lynn. It's great to be here and it's great to see you. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, And so before we get started, for everyone who's joining us for the first time, um, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And while we're there, go ahead and share the love and click all five stars for a review. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So Luke, let's get right into it because this is a great conversation for our audience. Um, You've been in real estate for, you know, 30 plus years. Yeah. And how did you expand that into hosting a talk show about moving to Kelowna, which if no one's been there, it's an amazing, amazing city. Um, And, you know, how has hosting the show informed the way you approach real estate? Well, that's uh, a great question. So in 2016, I was running an office all by myself. I didn't have an assistant. So I was uh, selling real estate. I was doing all my marketing. I was shoveling the sidewalk in the wintertime. I was washing the windows in the summertime. I was doing all my social media posts. And in 2016, I had a record year. I did 44 transactions. So I became super, super efficient with my time. And I was able to do 12, 13 hour days without burning myself out and still having a great time. So when things got back to normal, you know, like 20, 25 transactions and I had a part-time assistant, it felt like I had all this extra time, right? And so uh, I love to go for long walks and I love podcasts and audiobooks. And I was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk's Crushing It audiobook. Yeah. And he has a section on podcasting. And he said, what every realtor should do is start a podcast where they interview local business people for two reasons. One, I became an expert on all the businesses in my town. And I got to know a lot of people. And yeah. uh, I can present myself as an expert now on this city. So if someone's moving here and they need a carpenter, they need uh, a pet groomer, or they need a chiropractor or any type of business, I know somebody, I've interviewed them 
And it's almost like a job interview. So I can make yeah. good referrals, you know, and uh, quickly. So that's how I do it. I love doing it. Um, it's just something that's a lot of fun for me to do. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, as time's gone by, you've actually expanded out beyond interviewing people from your hometown, right? Yeah. So with COVID, um, before COVID, people would come right here to this office and we'd sit across from each other. And uh, after COVID, you know, people didn't want to come over and it was a little <laughs> bit tense. So we're doing Zoom calls and I thought, well, if I'm doing Zoom calls, I can really talk to anybody on the planet, right? They don't have to drive over here. So um, I realized that 90, 95% of my guests had moved from someplace else. Yeah. And I moved from someplace else. I came here in 2011. And I've lived in four different countries, 10 different cities, and I had to start a brand new life from scratch. So I started every show with asking people, how did you get to Kelowna or <laughs> Chicago or Dallas or wherever the case may be? And to me, that is so fascinating to hear how someone's life completely changed. You know, sometimes they went for romance or to get away from a relationship or for a business <laughs> opportunity. Um, or a job offer. But that um, moving to a new city is kind of like a huge point in most people's lives. You know, it's sort of like weddings, funerals, uh, birth of a child, and moving to a new city, I think are like the four or five biggest things that could ever happen to a person. Yeah. So um, it's always really interesting. Just spend five minutes talking about how did you get to Chicago? And so many amazing stories, like stuff you would never or expect to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sounds wonderful, and and that really is a huge milestone. Just like buying a home, uh, and mm. it's especially when it's like your first home. Uh, yeah. It's it's like whoa. It, it can feel so daunting um, when you start to sort of dive into it. And I would love to have you share. You know what first-time buyers need to consider when they're just starting that process? Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that, uh, and a lot of people don't think about this, is they know they need to know how much money they're dealing with. So people should really talk to a mortgage broker or a banker before they talk to me. Now, if someone talks to me first, I'm okay with that. But at some point in the conversation, I'm going to try to refer them to and get them starting a conversation with a banker. Because it's like if you go grocery shopping, if, um, you know, if you remember being a teenager and our parents would send us to go get groceries and we need to know, well, how much money do I have? Right. Yeah. If you go to the grocery store and you fill up your cart and you come up to the front and you don't have enough money, it's like you've wasted all this time. <laughs> Very embarrassing. Yeah. So we really need to know what's your budget. Right. And we don't know that until someone who's a professional analyzes the finances. Then we can start to look at places. And one thing that I do is I'm very patient. Like I work hard. I can do 12, 14 hour days, but I'm patient. I'm not trying to push someone into doing something that they're not ready for. Right. right. So I've worked with people, uh, first time home buyers for a year or two sometimes. So we'll start looking at homes and they'll think about what part of town do they want to live in? What is really important to them? And a lot of times you don't really know until you see the inside of a place and look around the neighborhood. You know, a lot of times people say, can I see this house? They seen it online. 
the photos look amazing and they get there and they're like, I don't want to live across the street from this guy. He's got all these vehicles up on blocks, right? There's garbage and stuff like that. I don't like this neighborhood. And they kind of say, you know, over time, they get to know what they really like. When a person's ready yeah. to act, I'll, you know, I'll stay up all night, make that deal happen. But a lot of times it's, you know, weeks or months of just seeing a few places and having conversations. So don't be in a rush. Um, even in a seller's market, I tell people, don't panic. You should never panic in real estate. <laughs> it's more like playing chess than hockey, right? You don't have to instantly react. You got to sit back and kind of <laughs> contemplate things for a while. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that idea. And and also people, you know, you may have an idea of what you think you want until you really start sort of going through that and looking into it and then uh, sorting through that so that you can make a really good decision about what's going to fit, you know, your lifestyle and your needs. So mm -hmm. how do you help people determine uh, or to reach that point? I mean, you've sort of touched on that, but what are some of the tips that you have to share? So I really, um, I love psychology. So I like to just watch people, you know, not in a creepy way or overbearing way, but <laughs> I, I like to see how people react when they walk into a house. So if you've seen five, 10 homes with someone and all of a sudden they stop and they kind of gasp and their eyes go wide open, you know that they like it. Yeah. But in between those times, you know, I like to say, well, what did you sometimes they'll say this house is not for us and I'll say no problem, but tell me what, what did you not like about it? Right. And you get to know a person and their lifestyle just by talking to them. You know, a question is uh, what do you like to do for fun on the weekends? Well, right. we like to go to bars and uh, see live music and we like to drink. And uh, so would you like to be able to walk to a place like that? You probably want something downtown Kelowna. Right. So yeah. just having normal human conversations like you would with any friend um, in a non-invasive way. Right? It's not an interrogation, <laughs> but um, just getting to know someone like that. And that really helps me to say, you know what? I saw a place last week. I think you're going to love it. And I show it to them and I say, do you want to go see it? Right. So it's really yeah. just trying to be helpful and knowledgeable at the same time. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's so true. Building that rapport and really actively listening uh, so that you can uh, help guide them. And I know mm -hmm. another thing that, you know, when you're looking for homes, you know, you have the must haves and the nice to haves. So yeah. we had this story with my husband and I, um, you know, I, you know, I sold my house to move into his house when we were engaged and he had a pool table in the living room, <laughs> which we replaced right. with my furniture. So we had it you know, professionally broken down and stored. So when we were looking to purchase a house together, when we are expecting our first child, one of the things that we had was this, you know, we, we just kept trying to get someplace that we could put a pool table in. Right. Uh, and, you know, so it was sort of like, is that, a, and it was almost like this must have, and it ended up becoming a nice to have, um, mm. you know, and we moved from point A to point B. But how do you help um, customers sort of sort those things out. Yeah. So again, it's just really conversation. So those things tend to evolve over time, <laughs> like you said, right? Um, there's been points in my life where I had to have a hot tub 
I had to have a hot tub and I also needed an electrical outlet near that hot tub. So we used to get a uh, big 36 inch TV. Remember those? They, it would take yeah. two men to carry them. <laughs> and, uh, I get a hundred feet of coax cable from Radio Shack and we would put it on a table out by the hot tub and we'd watch baseball playoffs, hockey playoffs in that hot tub. And people, you know, some people thought it was ridiculous, but to me it was really important. (laughs) (laughs) So I needed a place where the TV would be safe. It wouldn't get rained on and uh, we could put a hot tub and everything was situated and I could have a fridge and beer and, you know, all those (laughs) things. Right. And it kind of almost became an obsession, and I wouldn't look at a place where that was not possible, right? So again, you say, um, you know, if a person keeps bringing up, well, you know, where are we going to put the billiards table? Uh, and they kind of like the house and stuff like that. So you start to <laughs> ascertain, and they start to ascertain, like, what's really important, right? You're going to spe- be spending half of your life there or more, right? Those things are important. Now, uh, for a lot of people, it's more practical. It's like we need a big enough kitchen because we have, you know, so many kids or we love to have family over and friends over. Right. So we need a certain size kitchen. It just won't work with a small kitchen. It's got everything else we like. Right. So um, I think most people, if you're if you're helpful, you facilitate, you listen, uh, people kind of figure it out themselves. Over time. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like therapy, right? If you're with a good therapist and you're, <laughs> you know, I've seen it, you know, where people say, you just understand me. You really understand me. But it's a feeling of being listened to, you know, most people can yeah. kind of figure a lot of that stuff out themselves if they feel an expert is listening to them. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we eventually just let go of the whole pool table thing <laughs> right. because it was the priority was really more of a great neighborhood, you know, a family neighborhood for our daughter and having a home that facilitated that. Right. So, but, you know, you're right. You know, you, you do um, transition over. So what are some of the things that a first time home buyer should look for and what should they look out for? Well, um, like we talked about, the finances are the most important thing, I would say. And uh, you really want a home that is in good shape. So the inspection report is so crucial. I've made the mistake in the past of ignoring things. Most people, unless they're handy. Now, some people, maybe 10% of my clients, they get really excited when they see problems in a home because they think there's opportunity there. And they want to recreate that home in their image. But most people aren't work are not working in the trades, right? Most people are working in offices or, you know, medical or whatever they're working at. And they will look at a house that has even minor issues as a lot of work. Right. And they should look at it as a lot of work because these things are a hassle. You know, you gotta you gotta call a plumber, you gotta wait for the plumber, very expensive. And if you're not part of the trades, you can, you know, it's sort of like auto mechanics. If you have an old car, you don't know if they're telling you the truth. Oh, yeah, we put it up on the hoist and it needs $1,200. You're like, okay, right? This is a real hassle for people. So you want something that's in in good shape. You need to look. And um, I'll give you an example. There was a house we saw and it was really dirty. It seemed to be in good shape. But it was dirty. And I said, you know, I've got some concerns. And the buyer said, well, what's the problem? I could just sweep it. And I said, well, 
the person takes care of their house like this. What do you think happens if he's sitting on the couch with a bag of Doritos and the furnace starts rattling? Is he going to get up and go fix it? Or is he going to turn up the volume on his television and pretend it didn't happen? Right. So you can kind of see the attitude of the seller towards the property just by how clean it is, how tidy it is. And to me, that's a bit of a red flag. If there's things, you know, if there's dirty clothes, they're trying to sell the place, right? It's not that hard to just tidy it up. Kind of shows to me that they don't really care. If they got a roof leak or something, they may not care or they don't have the money to fix it. So there could be a lot of hidden problems. Sometimes there is, sometimes there's not, but it's a red flag to me. You see how a person is taking care of their property, the pride that they have. Um, There could be hidden things in those walls that uh, you don't want to find out about later. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Not unless you are specifically looking for a fixer-upper. So Exactly. uh, And (laughs) the blood, uh, tears, and uh, yeah, the, 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 you know. Right. The amount of money you might have to pour into it. <laughs> oh, so that that's a really good point. And I absolutely feel the same way. I mean, you can um, pick those things up in all kinds of different ways um, mm-hmm. when you're um, not only just when you're looking at to buy a house, but even when you're, um, you know, looking for a new job, you know, how what does the office environment or the operations of production floor environment look like their, their lunchroom, things like that. Yeah. Um, Cause it tells you a little bit about the culture of the organization. So, sure. um, all right. So we're sort of going to go back to the home and um, let's sort of round this out. Cause I'd like to, you know, so here we are and, you know, I walked in and my eyes lit up. I got all excited and I just went, um, I actually had this happen once with my husband and he literally, if, if he, you know, at least metaphorically, he dropped to his knees and went, yes, you know, <laughs> but right. you found the perfect home. So how do you go about getting everything ready um, to, to make an offer? Right. So I've done so many transactions, I could almost do it unconsciously, but um, I don't want to make <laughs> any mistakes. Like this is so important, right? Uh, it's people's money. It's people's lives. So yep. I have a checklist which details like every single point, even though I've done it, you know, hundreds of times, I want to make sure I haven't missed anything. So one of the things I've noticed, like sometimes deals go sideways. It's less and less often now, the more experience I get. But um, I realize I have to manage people's expectations. So if I've had a conversation with the mortgage broker and they say, you know, it's kind of dicey, they could go up to 700,000, but that's absolute max. And they're asking 720 for the house. And maybe I think, well, it's a little bit overpriced. We probably get it for 690, but there's no guarantees, right? That we'll get it for the right price or that you're going to qualify. So I, I don't want to be negative. I don't say, you know, your odds are really low. <laughs> like, you, you know, but I just say, look, we, we have some things to get through. And we're going to do everything we can to make it happen. But I try to set their expectations so that they're, if it doesn't, work out, they're not completely devastated. Right. Right. And then I outline all the steps we got to go through. So first we got to negotiate the contract. Then we have to arrange for an inspection. You need a good inspector, someone you trust, but also who isn't catastrophic. Right. I had an inspector who was looking at a crack in the wall in the foundation and it was easily fixed, but it was a big crack. And he was just staring at it going, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) My buyer said, I'm not buying this house. Like he terrified me instead of saying, this is pretty common in a 50 year old house. We need to get it looked at. Here's the solution. 
right? He was just yeah. like, you know, he, she was thinking maybe this house is going to fall on my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, you got to have the right professionals that are honest and will point out problems, but solution oriented. So mortgage broker, lawyer, um, inspector, all these people are important and they're going to become a part of the relationship. And just kind of lay it out to them so they know what to expect. If you're getting a lot of questions like, well, what's happening? What's going on? Uh, you didn't really explain the process to yeah. them. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, and that's really setting expectations is so important. Uh, I I couldn't agree with you more so that people, um, it also helps them, you know, the buyer as they're going through the process, because it can be very stressful. Uh uh, and so that thing, are they sort of, okay, all right, take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're right, because something like that, uh, um, there's also things that they, they don't quite look like they're a big deal, but they really are a big deal. Could mm -hmm. be the flip side of that inspection story you had there. So that's great. I, I am loving what we've talked about, Luke. This has been so helpful and great for our audience. And I know I know that they're going to want to know more about where they can find about you and find out about you. So how can they reach out? Awesome. So if they're looking for real estate, so I do commercial as well and investment real estate. Um, there are more people moving into Kelowna than pretty much any city in this country. And if uh -huh. you're an American listening to this, your dollars go really, really far here. So it's almost <laughs> like getting a 30% discount on everything geographically i think you might agree it looks a little bit like napa valley with the vineyards yeah. and the rolling hills and the mountains and super gorgeous the lakes yeah it's so beautiful yeah. so um the rental market's really hot here too so if you want to invest in real estate here linkedin is uh probably the best place to find me for that and if you want to check out my podcast just in any podcast uh player that you use type in newtown big dreams You'll find the podcast everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So everybody, that's how you get in touch with Luke. And Luke, thank you again for sharing your top tips for first-time home buyers, um, what they should know in searching for and, and uh, purchasing their first home. Thank you so much. This has been such a great discussion for our audience. And for everyone out there, if you have ideas that you would like to uh, please leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. If you'd like to suggest a topic or you have a question, you can email us at jointheconversation at petitequeen.com. And to stay current on all our insightful advice and breakthrough advantages, sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter at petitequeen.com. And you won't miss out on a single amazing episode like this one. Thank you for listening, Luke. Luke, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Lynn. It's been a blast. I really appreciate it.